time for From the Bench with Ditch, special edition Bulldog Valley. A recap of last week's Highland game, Valley Conference recap, and a look ahead to this weekend's game. Hello, welcome to week four of the Bulldog Valley show with a preview of Highland's game coming up, a recap of the last game, and uh, a little banter about the Valley Conference in general. Hello, Denny Rittenhouse here, along with my partner Rodney Knackstedt. And uh, Rodney, a uh, um, near-perfect second-half Friday night against Mascuda by the Highland Bulldogs. See them vault to 3-1, uh, and one, and uh, what a fun game that was. It was. Uh, it's a lot lot easier to broadcast in a game like that, isn't it? There were just so many positives, uh, very few uh, I don't even know if you want to call them negatives. There's very few things that they just really had to work on, uh, you know, other than game plan for Waterloo. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. A, it's a, a first half where the teams were almost feeling each other out like it was week one or something and uh, just kind of uh, no real dynamic plays or anything, just a bunch of uh, run, especially Mascuda running their, their small tailback. Uh, up the middle in between the tackles and they had a success on the one drive and uh, were, were able to answer a Highland touchdown and you thought okay we're in for a dog fight but I, I thought even in that first half Highland looked a little bit stronger and a little bit quicker than, than Mascoot and, and we, we both kind of had a feeling like alright they get the late touchdown in the first half and we get the ball to start the second half and we thought the tide would turn but boy, did it turn in an explosive way in that third quarter. Yeah, Highland scoring uh, three touchdowns in the third quarter. Uh, you are right. It was it was just kind of a back-and-forth type thing with Highland controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball for most part. You know, uh, Mascuda scoring with 59 seconds left in the uh, first quarter. Highland turning the tide, scoring with 19 seconds left in the first half. Yeah, they did and got that momentum, came out in the second half and have a two-play 65-yard drive uh, capped by a beautiful touchdown pass from uh, the sophomore Blake Jelly, and we'll just get it out of the way right away. <laughs> Our player of the week, um, um, without a doubt, is Blake, the first two-time player of the week. But uh, what a phenomenal game he had, going 13-16 for 197 yards and four touchdowns. Yes. And they, they weren't just uh, little passes out in the flat, which is, is kind of uh, what he's been limited to in the first three weeks was, uh, you know, the, the short passes, either out in the flat or, or five to ten yards. But they stretched the field a little bit Friday night, and that was fun to watch. It was, and uh, he was very accurate on his throws. Uh, as you mentioned, very few misses, and even his misses uh, were put in a place where only his receiver was going to get it. The defender couldn't take it. And, yeah, they, uh, yeah. That's a big growing uh, – really an area that the quarterback has to grow in quickly if they're going to be successful, and he's done that, it looks like. Yeah, and he's spreading the ball out, seven, eight guys getting catches a couple weeks in a row now. Uh, But stretching the fields was the biggest takeaway, I think, from from coming out of that that week four game in uh, um, throwing the ball downfield. We saw him attempt one in in the central game, and and he just kind of heaved it and hoped. Yes, and, and, and this time uh, he knew what he was doing and placed the ball. That touchdown pass to Reinacher in the corner of the end zone 
was like a rainbow just dropping perfectly into his arms. And uh, uh, that set the tone for the rest of that second half. It did. And, and you know, Reinacher did a great job getting that foot in because it was in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, the only place it could be thrown and not be intercepted. And, and it wasn't just uh, four touchdown passes. He, he looked real good on his touchdown run, which was a pass play. And he looked downfield, uh, didn't see a guy open, uh, did a second check, and then saw that middle open up, and he just took off uh, from about 20 yards out and found the end zone rather easily. Yeah, that was a play where once we saw him running, you knew he was going to get a first down. It was, was he going to get in the end zone? And uh, what was it, at about the 10-yard line, he made a move on one player, and yeah. he went in untouched. So. Yeah, it, it was a pretty and a good night all around. 13 for 16 for 197 yards, like I said, and uh, uh, four touchdowns for Blake Jelly. He only had the one touchdown pass coming into the game, so now he's uh, up there to five and, and uh, uh, looking good doing it in that, in that game. Uh, and to add to that 197, he had 65 yards rushing uh, as well. I think that led to pack uh, rushing. I uh, have Fry for 60, Beetle for 40, and uh, uh, a few other guys in that 20 range. Pratt, um, Six, six yards rushing. Uh, Rakers, I'm not sure Rakers had a, um, a run, but uh, he did some damage uh, catching. Uh, Lewis had a couple carries. Uh, Rakers for 17 yards, that's what it was. And uh, uh, so, so just a, a lot of mixing it up offensively by the Bulldogs. And uh, this is something uh, Coach Warnicky was wanting to to get untracked with, uh, is uh, making it difficult for that defense to to know uh, what weapon they're going to pick. And uh, kudos to the offensive line. Blake Jelly had all kinds of time Friday night to uh, uh, make those passes, uh, not really under pressure, um, you know, more than once or twice for the whole game. Yes, and uh, one time that he was under pressure, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, it was a tough throw because he was rolling to his right and trying to throw to the receiver over there and uh, put it right on the money. Yeah, yeah. Now on the Mascuta side, not much yardage. They they um, um, threw the ball 20 times, but only had nine completions for just over 100 yards. And they, in running the ball, Devin Parks, their their small tailback, um, only goes like a five seven. I think it was one one sixty, and uh, not not super huge. But they ran him between the tackles um, almost exclusively. He gets 22 carries and, and goes for 66 yards. I think 50 of those came on the on the drive that you were talking about there in the first half. Yes, that, that's what I was going to say. That one drive was the uh, only time that he was really uh, successful. Other than that, Highland shut him down. He'd get his yards, but uh, not enough that they, right. are, they were in a position to get an easy first down. Right. Well, when you look at it in 22 for 66, you get up three yards of carry, you're, you're um, uh, doing your job on the defensive side. And that was really about the only uh, spark uh, Mascuda showed on offense was him occasionally running in the, uh, that, that drive in particular. It was a pretty nice drive, aided by a few questionable penalties. Um, uh, going along the way, yes. but, but um, uh, you know, they they put it to Highland on that drive, and, and the Bulldogs responded nicely after that. They did, and uh, there was one drive in the uh, third quarter that Mascuda helped Highland with two 
personal foul penalties and gave us 30 yards extra. Yeah. I mean, we were moving the ball anyway. I'm not saying we wouldn't have scored, but they just made it a little quicker. Yeah, yeah they did. They did. They did. was deflated uh, with that opening drive. Yes. The second half by Highland, you can just see the air come out of the not just the players, the, the crowd was silenced pretty much the, the rest of the game. And so uh, Highland did what they needed to on the road there and got that, that first road victory of the season. And uh, uh, like uh, Coach um, had, had mentioned before, our goal is uh, take care of business at home and pick up what we can on the road. And, uh, they picked up a quality road win this week against an always tough Mascuta team that falls to one and three. And uh, are, are in danger of uh, uh, letting the season slip away now. Fortunately for them, they get CM coming um, this week. And uh, uh, CM has uh, come back to dirt earth after their 2-0 and start. Uh, they get waxed by uh, Jerseyville uh, Friday night, 48-6. to And the other Valley game saw Triad beat Waterloo uh, 41-21, to I think it was. Um, but uh, one rather handily pulling away. Waterloo hung tough for about a, a two and a half quarters before the Knights um, uh, kind of put them away. So uh, uh, Waterloo is this week's opponent coming up for, for Highland. Um, before we get into that, is there anything else from, from Friday night uh, we wanted to talk about? I think there was a, a special teams play. There uh, was. Yeah. Uh, Trent yeah. Stock, Trent just Stock, outstanding on now, special teams. Yeah, yeah, officially they only had him for two tackles. I think he was in on four on the uh, kickoff alone uh, kickoff team. If he wasn't credited with four tackles, he was in there on the other two. Yes, I that's agree. where they're yeah. crediting his two stocks uh, uh, tackles. Uh, it was fun to to see that happen on special teams and somebody jump out like that at us from. Uh, uh, broadcasting perspective, because we we don't uh, heck, most kickoffs we don't even get the name of the guy making the tackle. And, yes, and so correct uh, to to have us notice that um, uh, tells us something. And and I think there was a, a little added focus from Highland because they gave up the touchdown in uh, week three to to um, Matt Toon. And so I, I think there was a little extra focus, and you could see the fire a little bit on that kickoff team. Yeah, they did a good job. Uh, people stayed in their lanes and uh, much improved uh, over the first three weeks of the season. It was kind of an up-and-down first three weeks for the special teams, and they put it, I thought, pretty much all together uh, against Mascuda. Yeah, they, they really did, especially that second half. Uh, they played a nice first half, but uh, um, an extraordinary second half. And so well in the second half, um, you start looking ahead as a fan week to week, and uh, this could be a, a pretty special season by the time it's all said and done. I know Coach Warnicky would cringe at that and uh, say, we've got nothing but Waterloo in our sights right now. Uh, don't go beyond that. But, right. you know, you know, One game at a time. That's what coaches do, not – not fans and broadcasters. Correct. We look ahead. <laughs> totally <laughs> agree with you. Yeah, looking ahead, uh, this Waterloo team, they're an interesting one in three. Um, they, they lost a blowout to Mount Vernon, uh, a high-scoring affair. It was like 55-42 or something like that. And then uh, come back the next week and shut out Columbia. Who's a little bit down now as, you, you know, as the season matures. It's not the Columbia of the uh, past, but... Um, uh, they take care of business, and so now you think, okay, they got a pretty good offense, and their defense is uh, almost always pretty sound under under Dan Rose. But then um, they they lose the next two weeks, 
one across the river and then uh, triad takes care of them on friday and so uh, Highland uh, will be coming in, I think, at home, homecoming week, with a, with yes. a bit of confidence against Waterloo. I, I totally agree, and uh, Waterloo has been a team in the past. I mean, I'm going all the way back to when my son played. Uh, they were a team that you just, uh, you never knew. It was almost which team is going to show up this week for them, and, and they can be really tough. So Highland is not going to be looking past them at all. They are going to take them seriously. Well, no, they're, they're coached by Dan Rose, who's the only Valley coach with more tenure now than, than Jimmy Warnicky. And so so they they got that ingrained in their system. You know, there, there's a program there at Waterloo. And uh, um, so you know you're going to get a team that competes. Now, they, they tend to go with a couple quarterbacks. And I don't know if there's an – I don't think there's an injury involved, but they – they uh, have Lindhurst, who's uh, 21 for 35 for uh, 279 on the season and a couple uh, touchdown passes. And Osteridge is 11 for 33 for 131. Um, now, rushing, Osteridge has 63 carries for 258. Uh, so so he, he might be their option quarterback when, they, when if we see him in the backfield and then um, throw the ball with Lindhurst, uh, perhaps. And Sales is the other main guy. Um, with 74 carries for 352 yards, uh, so so nothing super explosive uh, from that, that offense, but uh, they got three or four guys that that um, you, you have to respect and make sure you you uh, as you always put uh, stay in your lanes and show that <laughs> discipline on on your uh, defensive uh, stature. Yeah, it. Uh... You know, and, and, and on the one drive, uh, you know, the tight end seemed to have, uh, for Highland, uh, or not tight end, the uh, defensive end, uh, it was like four plays in a row. Just didn't stay home on that long, sustained drive they had. And uh, I'm sure that was mentioned to him after that drive because we didn't see that again. Yeah, that was where he needed to be. There, there was nothing in, in what you're talking about is the end bit a little bit on the Correct. back because they were running between the tackles so much that yes. uh, um, uh, Parker was able to bounce outside yes, uh, a, a couple, couple times, times because the, the hole was clogged up and then bounce outside and nobody's out there and he, he picked up a, 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 little bit yards, yards, yes. a little bit extra yardage but uh, um, nothing egregious. Uh, so, so, yeah, uh, that, that discipline is important. That's so tough to, to pound in the head of a high school kid sometimes. Especially a defensive end because your instinct is go to the ball. Go to the ball. Go and to the everybody's ball. taught go to the ball, but when you're the defensive end, you're taught to get as deep as the quarterback and turn that play to the inside to the other guys. Yeah, so so with the uh, rushing numbers that, that Osteridge has, and um, um, I'm guessing that those are coming when he's at quarterback. Um, that'll be important for that that those ends to to kind of stay their stay in their spot. So Waterloo comes in at one and three, Highland at three and one, and like you said, you can you, you can almost put an end at end. You can start the nail in the coffin. You're not going to quite pound it home as a Highland learned uh, a couple seasons ago. You can come back from a one and four start, but it's certainly not easy. And uh, um, the the Waterloo Bulldogs will be looking to avoid that. They they definitely will be fired up because they know a loss. Uh, I mean, I put you one more loss away from 
Probably not. It's very rare for a four and five team to make the playoffs. Very yeah. rare. Yeah. Now, now they're playing the, the the meat of the conference up front when you talk about Triad and Highland back to back. But you know, you have to include Mascuda in that lump. They still have them ahead. Jerseyville, you don't know exactly what they got, right? right? Uh, and they put a big big number up against CM. Um, so so you have to keep your eye out and respect a. Uh, them until you you take care of business with them so so it, and uh, that's the rest of the conference is uh, Highland finds themselves sitting atop now at, at three and one try it at two and two Mascuda and C uh, at one and three Jersey and CM at, at two and two um, so in Waterloo one and three uh, so um, Highland's kind of in a good spot here after four weeks they are they are and to you know, what impressed me the most was the opening first conference game for Blake Jelly as quarterback on the road and turned in that type of a performance. Yeah, that, that's uh, you know that's pretty impressive in, in front of a big crowd. Miss oh, Miss had a packed house over there Friday night. Always uh, do. Yeah, yeah, a nice facility that the uh, uh, Indians have over there at Muscuta. Um, and, and we're seeing, and we'll get the the rounds here as uh, this season goes on. But um, um, a lot of good facilities in the Valley Conference now. It's uh, yes, um, it was a bit of a dungeon. You go back uh, 15, 20 years ago, and some of the, especially when you you had Wood River and Roxana and, and their aging facilities out there. I was scared to go in the press box at, at Wood River. Uh, there was uh, one of them that would sway when you went up in it. I know that. <laughs> I think it might, might have been the Wood River one. Well, I, you know, while we're on it, uh, I'd like to give out a, a shout-out here to uh, Muscuda's AD, uh, Scott Barrett. Very, very uh, generous host um, very accommodating and just a super nice person to, to talk to. Yeah, he was. We had a nice, healthy discussion after the game with him, and uh, very accommodating and uh, gracious. And so that's always fun as a broadcast team when you uh, don't have any hostilities to deal with and um, um, you have a, a comfortable environment to, to speak. And so everything was uh, um, darn near perfect over there at Mosquito Frank. Yes. The weather was just absolutely um, perfect for football on a Friday night. The crowd was there and active, and uh, and, and the Bulldogs look uh, pretty darn good. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, it, it really doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Now, elsewhere um, out there um, in the Metro East area, I thought a couple games jumped out at me. Um, the Central Cougars. Uh, have not lost since they left Highland in Week One. They, they moved to three and one with a, a big win over um, Freeburg on uh, uh, Friday night. That, they'll play uh, Wood River, who's struggling at 0 and four and uh, not really competing well. So, so you expect the Cougars to move to four and one after uh, this upcoming week. Uh, at four and all, two teams at, at four and all that, that are starting to open some eyes in the Metro East. Edwardsville blew out O'Fallon. Now, now they, it's not a shock they beat O'Fallon, but uh, it's like 49-14, something like that, that they uh, take care of the Panthers. And so, so they're steamrolling uh, towards a, a week eight matchup against East St. Louis. And that'll be the key right there. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Not to, not to look past the Belleville schools because they're competing this year. Belleville West moved to 2-2. Two and two. Uh, so, so you don't want to look uh, past if you're Edwardsville, but you can't help but uh, have a little finger on that number on the calendar for week eight as uh, uh, the – 
they battle the the Flyers. We're two and two, but you know, let's face it, they play the the cream of the country, not the cream of the area in their preseason, their pre-conference schedule. Well, so, you mentioned it. You know, uh, Edwardsville is the one team that will occasionally surprise uh, East St. Louis. You know, and and take that conference. Yeah. Yeah, so so we'll we'll keep our eye on that as we uh, move along here on the, on the, the Valley Show. Uh, Roxana, the other team that is it just looks superb. Uh, they're down there in the Cahokia Conference now, and uh, they're kind of steamrolling towards the battle with Central coming up later in the season. I think they meet Week Seven, but uh, they're sitting there at four and zero right now, and they're winning handily every week against a a pretty decent schedule. Um, so, so it's fun to see Roxanne. Man, they used to be a dominating team back in uh, your time, probably. Yes, I they guess. were. Yes, uh, they were. Coach Charlie Rach and um, uh, the Shells were always something to contend with um, for many, many years. Yes, uh, you did. You did not take them lightly, and um, unfortunately, during my four years of high school, I'm going to say they won possibly all four, if not three of the four. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they were good. Yeah, they were good. And, uh, of course, the field's named after them now. That, that kind of shows the, the respect and, and uh, the fond, fondness they had for, for Charlie um, all those years. And uh, uh, the school just grew a little too small, shrunk a little too small to stay in the Valley. But uh, they're holding their own in that Cahokia Conference now. And um, uh, they're at 4-0. and um, and those were the three main ones I wanted to mention. Modern Day gets an, another win. Uh, their only loss coming to the, that central team that, that we just spoke of. So, so uh, this the season's starting to get a little uh, flavor and a little feel for who's going to be there come uh, late October and early November. Um, week five should tell us a lot more, and um, uh, especially in the Valley when you, you look at the competition coming up. It's um, um, Jerseyville playing, uh, I had this down right here for, for good, uh, Triad versus Jerseyville. Those two are both sitting at two and two, and so... So um, um, something's going to sort out uh, right there. And then you got Mascuda and CM trying to, to salvage their season. Um, and yeah, and honestly, I would look for that one. Uh, I think Mascuda wins it handily, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, the, possibly. Uh, Mascuda didn't show me any potential explosiveness. And that, that surprised me a little bit with, uh, when you consider what they did last year. Well, uh, and the fact that. You had even mentioned in our pregame, uh, you know, a couple of receivers averaging 20 yards a, a pass reception, and uh, really they only tried a couple times to even throw down to them. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I don't know if that was Highland's defense prevented it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. But they just yeah, did what we thought they would do. You, you certainly have to 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 say that's probably what it was because there, there was pressure. The line, the line, like you said, the line of scrimmage was controlled by Highland. They were getting pressure on um, in uh, up the middle in, in passing game attempts. Uh, so they didn't try to stretch the field, and I don't know if it was because of the, uh, being rushed uh, too much or, or just respect for the, the secondary that, that Highland uh, was playing Friday night. But uh, so, so that... If CM has any any uh, inkling of uh, trying to upset Mascuda, 
um, they're going to have to get some pressure on their quarterback, and I think uh, uh, that'll be their their key to that game. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and Highland uh, literally could have had or almost had two interceptions. One was in and out of the hands of Nemo. I think it just surprised him because it went straight to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Muni almost made a nice uh, diving interception. So, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, probably a combination of both pressure put on the quarterback and our secondary doing a, a good job back there. So we'll be on the air Friday night at uh, about 6.45 for our little pregame banter. And then uh, kick off at 7 o'clock with the Waterloo Bulldogs coming to town for, for Highland. Um, now it, uh, um, we'll probably do every week um, the remainder of the season. Our Sam Laporta recap from Sunday oh, he afternoon had football. Game. He did. He had, he had a nice game. Um, um, a few catches for 60-plus yards and some critical catches. Uh, on the um, touchdown, touchdown drive, drive uh, there as they were trying to mount a comeback to, to take the lead. Yeah, he. Uh, I happened to have be able to see a part of the game uh, where uh, the one catch, uh, even the announcers, how did he make that? I mean, he was well covered, made the catch, yeah. gets the first down. Um, and I know second guessing is easy, but I really thought Detroit got very conservative on their final drive. I went for a touchdown, and they just got very conservative. I, I, I agree. And I was reading in the uh, Detroit newspapers this morning. They they were questioning Dan Campbell. Okay. And that, and, and, and that very thing is after the little point of catch where he got them in the red zone, and um, they seemed content to tie the game. Yeah. And, uh, I, I didn't understand they, that. They had time. They had a timeout left. And um, uh, they were like running to set up the field goal. And I, I, it's surprising with the aggressiveness that Dan Campbell has shown, um, not only this year but last year, that he's a, a guy that goes for it on fourth down and did it yesterday and it bit him. They, they end up giving up a field goal um, because of the field position and they didn't get it. But but and maybe that swayed him into thinking I got to I got to be conservative here. And uh, um, yeah, I don't know that we'll see that same result. And same response if that situation comes up again this season. I think Dan Campbell will uh, have a short memory and, and forget about that and say, "Let's go for it." And so, uh, yeah, I, I was really shocked. Uh, really thought they because you, you don't know if you're going to get the ball to the other team. Obviously, they didn't get the ball, and yeah. Seattle ended up taking it down for a touchdown. Now, if they hold them to a field goal, at least they get a shot again. But right. uh, you can't take. To me, you don't take that chance. You try to win it in regulation if yeah. you can. And they didn't take any shots to the end zone. Right, right. And, and so, uh, uh, like I said, uh, Detroit Press was uh, questioning that as well. Uh, back down to earth for the Lions and their, their <laughs> feverish um, 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 fandom there um, leading into this season and after the uh, first game victory over the Chiefs. I thought Greg Olson doing color commentary on, on Fox yesterday was very fair with Sam. He was he was um, he pointed out the the play where Montgomery fumbled, and said you know, you know you look at the rookie Laporta he gets um, 
shoved aside rather easily, and um, the guy he was blocking made the tackle and caused a fumble. And he, he clearly pointed it out, uh, did it respectfully. It wasn't Dog and Sam. It was just, right. just a fact of uh, what happened that play. And then uh, just a little bit later on a touchdown drive by Detroit, um, he said, in all fairness to Laporta, I pointed out his, his um, trouble on blocking on the, that place. Look at these two blocks that he had on this drive. Uh, excellent recovery, and that's what you got to do is have that short memory and when things like that happen. And it, it's going to happen. Uh, even in uh, the first week uh, when I was talking to uh, big Jimmy Warnicky, uh, he mentioned that, uh, you know, a couple of blocks that, that Sam had trouble with. And I believe they were both on a, on a tight end, or not, a defensive end coming out yeah. to him. And uh, so, obviously, he made the adjustment then after uh, the mistake, uh, the first yeah. mistake. Uh, and that's not, just, that's not just a, a little poor rookie. So if you look at um, uh, Seattle's cornerback, uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, uh, number five pick overall, uh, he had his ups and downs yesterday, and then Olsen did a good job pointing that out, too. And it's like it's just hard for a rookie, no matter how talented you are, uh, to step up to that next level and be perfect. It's not going to happen. It's not, and honestly, uh, sometimes you learn more by making that mistake. You know by the feel of it, okay, this yeah. is what I did wrong. And it, yeah. I always tell my players uh, when I used to coach that, you know, you can learn a lot more from your mistakes than you can if everything goes right because now you take it for granted you face that adversity how do you respond exactly so so yeah but all in all good day for Laporta and uh, he's uh, his reputation is only growing uh, both as a a player and a person so so it'll be uh, uh, fun to watch him uh, progress as the season goes well I can tell you by if you go on eBay and look at the price of his rookie cards a lot of fans are noticing (laughs) Sam because you're not going to get him cheap anymore (laughs) just saying that for people out there that are looking to get some Sam you might be better off buying packs and hope you pull one (laughs) Uh, they still do that the kids still do that oh my goodness yes Yes. that's good to know as long as they can afford it it's getting to be an expensive hobby unfortunately Fortunately. Well, that'll do it for Bulldog Valley here in week four. And, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to the game week five on Friday night. Um, that's Rodney Connection. I'm Denny Rittenhouse. Uh, listen to this on BulldogRadioHighland.com. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evenings at 7 o'clock. And then uh, catch it on uh, any time you want and pull up um, previous episodes and, and hold our Rodney and I accountable is uh, um, we talk about what we think might happen and versus what really happens. Uh, I think Highland comes away with the victory Friday night. Uh, hold us accountable if that doesn't happen. That's fine. You can find us on From the Bench with Dench on uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, anywhere you get your, your podcast, uh, we'll be out there. So just search From the Bench with Dench. So thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been From the Bench with Dench, Bulldog Valley. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune in each week and all season long.